0: The K-Pop podcast is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Are you looking to learn a thing or two about getting your finances in order, saving and investing? Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and The Washington Post Brand Studio. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. In honor of Black History Month, all February, this podcast will be dedicated to featuring African-Americans whose voices and perspectives you need to hear. We'll have a new episode every Tuesday. But if you're a fan of the podcast, you know we feature prominent black voices all year long. So we've chosen a few older episodes to republish every Thursday to reacquaint you with some of them. Just because Black History Month is over doesn't mean that black history stops being made, black voices go silent, and black people become invisible. But invisibility, particularly of African-American women, is an issue. As journalist and author, April Ryan discussed on the podcast last year. April Ryan, thanks for being here. Anytime you
1: call, I will
0: come. (laughs) So your book is called At Mama's Knee, Mothers and Race in Black and White. Why did you feel compelled to write this book?
1: Because I'm a mother who has to deal with issues of race, talking to my two little beautiful girls, 14 and 9, it hit home. I mean, in the morning, Jonathan, when I'm getting up and getting those girls ready to go to school, I'm watching the news before we go. And they're like, is that real? You know, I've had to explain ISIS, all sorts of things. And the realities of life hit us Um, when Tamir Rice was shot to death
0: in Cleveland in Cleveland Ohio
1: by a police officer with a toy gun my aunt um, literally told my daughter to come from out of the backyard with her Nerf cannon Gun and my aunt said, "Come on out." And she, my daughter, didn't believe it. And she's like, "Mommy, is that true?" What Aunt Pearl said, and she said, "I said yes that that a, a kid was killed holding a toy gun," and I had to show her the video. You just don't want that situation happening.
0: Mm-hmm. And we're talking, we're talking about Baltimore,
1: Baltimore, Maryland. This is Baltimore, Maryland, mm-hmm. and this right outside of Baltimore, just right. a mile or two.
0: And this is uh, you're talking about a, a situation with your aunt Pearl and your daughter after the killing of Tamir Rice, mm-hmm. but. Like I say, you live in Baltimore, mm-hmm. and Baltimore erupted after erupted. the the death after Freddie Gray. What kind of conversations did you have with your daughters then?
1: Well, it was it, it the conversation was thrust upon us, and it was it was really an active conversation. It was more of a knee jerk reaction of safety. We were literally carrying on our normal lives when right after the funeral of Freddie Gray at New Shiloh Church in Baltimore. The kids decided to start rock throwing and confronting the police there and that moved to Mondamen Mall. My kids were actually eleven point five miles away from all of this Mm -hmm. at their school. And so I was getting calls At the White House. Okay, April, what are you going to do with the kids? You better come home now. So I said, okay, let me fold everything up. It was after the briefing. And I said, let me get out of here. Another mother got my girls, thank God. And because the school closed, all the activities in the afternoon were shut down because there was a fear in Baltimore City, people going out on the subway lines and in the the surrounding areas that it could come out there. So they started shutting things down. And so the next day, I actually hunkered in at the house, I stayed home home because we didn't know what was going to happen. The kids went to school and they shut the schools down early because there was another fear again of an eruption of unrest and violence in our community. So I, I picked the kids up from school early and they they didn't really get into uh, the, the reasons as to why with the children at the school. It was left to the parents. So mm-hmm. When I picked up the girls, we went to the, the grocery store, just maybe about three blocks up, because we didn't know how long we were going to hunker in the house, because we didn't know what was going on. We'd seen state police trooper uh, helicopters, helicopters ab- above yes, flying above, and I was like, "Wait a minute, what is this? Is real?" So I picked up the girls, and we we got our groceries. You got a couple of things that we like, the snacks and everything. You cannot be hunkered down with kids without their <laughs> snacks, without snacks, without their snacks. So, and then in that while we were leaving, this this red. Uh, pickup truck was driving around in the maze of the parking lot in a predominantly well, it's a mixed community, but it was a lot of black people there with this confederate flag and another flag brandishing, and I looked at another woman who was standing there, and we were like perplexed, like, is that a confederate flag? And we were, like, oh my gosh. So what I did. I said, guys, this is real. And I said, no, he wasn't. My, my Ryan was sitting next to me. Well, Mommy, what is that? And I had to tell her. And she started crying. She's like, no, Mommy, she felt the fear. But the the truck was was brandishing this flag the flag was just waving in the wind and it was like dousing gasoline on the fire the motions were raw. yeah you have freedom of expression expression but you need to know when to the express judgment yes your freedoms mm-hmm. another
0: thing and to delve more deeply in into the book you actually revealed something that i didn't know what and that is first lady michelle obama would leave the white house and go on walks mm-hmm. outside the white house. Now that is already extraordinary. Right. That the first lady would do that. The second thing that is extraordinary about it is that she went unrecognized. And that gets into something Invisible. that I've invisibility mm-hmm. in, in when I it is a, a terrific thing to bring up because <laughs> I wondered If I was the only person just as a regular everyday person who also felt invisible Hmm. because I could I have passed white colleagues on the sidewalk and they don't know they don't see me at all. And I've gotten to the point where it's like, well, I I, I know they don't they and don't see me. Sometimes you I,
1: wonder if they're being rude or they just or they're just not wanting to give eye contact for some reason. I've I've felt that too. And so it, talk
0: about the First Lady and yeah. and what this was what this was about.
1: So it's the first couple of pages actually. Mm-hmm. Um senior advisor to President Obama. Best friend of the president and best friend of the first lady, Valerie Jarrett, opened her heart and gave us some real talk. Um, She gave us some information that we didn't know. What happens is she and the first lady go on these walks, long walks away from the White House, trails, what have you, just walking. And the first lady is not disguised at all. All. She's a six foot one, beautiful, statuesque woman with or without makeup. She has no makeup and no hats on and no one recognizes her. Secret Service is even there. I mean, they're not like on her, but right. they give her their her space and she's basically unnoticed most times. Valerie said a couple times people have noticed them, but she said the reason why they continue the walks is because people do not bother her. They don't recognize her. And here you have this woman who has graced the cover of every magazine globally or newspaper. She's on TV, and you don't recognize her. First of all, just to see someone who's six foot, okay, Mm. a woman, you don't normally see that, okay? And then, because, I mean, I'm vertically challenged, and I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) So, and that's that's eye-catching. But to not notice that is amazing to me.
0: Well you say in the in the book, you flat out say and I agree with you Thank that, you that the default is when People see a person of color; they see the, the color. first. They see thing the they color see first when you
1: walk in the room. Is the color,
0: and so even walking past each other on the sidewalk, and then it's the other just stuff. Follow. I see. I see. I, okay. I see someone who's six foot one, African American. Mm. I don't even. No, need I to, see African American, and then talk. six foot yeah. I don't need. I, it's I, like I don't even need uh, to look.
1: Yeah, and it's it's sad. I mean, you can be the most accomplished person in the world. I mean, I, I wonder if it would happen to President Obama. If he put on a baseball cap and walked out there and and just, you know, no fanfare, mom jeans like he likes to wear <laughs> and those old Buster Brown tennis shoes that he wears. <laughs> and um, I, I'm not hating on the president. It's a joke, it's a right. joke. But, you know, but he he's not fashion forward like his wife. But I wonder, you know, I wonder if he would go out and people would recognize him.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: It goes back to the stereotyping of. African-Americans, as a people from when we were brought in chains to this nation, and it continues, that mindset has gone from generation to generation. Even if you don't tell your children, it's all over the place. I mean, we hear it today in the political discourse, you know, what was yesterday is today now. And the problem is you... No matter what race, you have people who are intelligent, people who are not so intelligent. You have people who are going to survive, people who are not. But we have been categorized as a group of people who are at the bottom of the pecking order. And it continues to persist and it's unfortunate. I believe that's where it all stems from, the mindset. Because you don't see, even though we've got the first black president who's leaving soon, you don't see a lot of middle America Mm -hmm. with us, middle management that are us. And we're still dealing with the first and the first. And, you know, when you hear white people say, oh, wow, that's great. They're exceptional. No, they're not exceptional. It's just been that they've been given the opportunity to show their exceptional behavior and activity. So we are all exceptional. But many of us don't have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I loved Viola Davis for saying that. Mm -hmm. It's about opportunity. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, Ta-Nehisi Coates wrote uh, this epic, yet another (laughs) epic essay, My President Was Black. And he had this observation that sort of rocked my world in its clarity and just how it – sort of made this person— From
1: Baltimore, too. He's from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. ta is from Baltimore.
0: Making this president who is interesting and who I thought I knew a lot about when it comes to race. Ta-Nehisi wrote—because, um, again, the president is, is biracial. He is half white, half black. Um, but he wrote, as a child, Obama's embrace of blackness was facilitated, not impeded by white people— which I thought was really, really interesting. And he goes on to talk about how African-Americans, folks who whose both parents are African-American, like their relationship to white people is completely different. It is one that is of distrust. It is one of skepticism mm-hmm. and circumspection. And when you realize that observation that ta Coates has about the president, it sort of makes you understand where the president's relentless optimism when it comes to not only this country, but race relations puts it into perspective, or do you disagree?
1: No, I think that is true, but um, in my book, I want to go into a little bit more of the weeds about that, Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, the president, I interviewed the president for this and he said President Obama recalls, quote, when I was growing up, my mother would come home with books on the civil rights movement and I read the speeches of Dr. King. She told me stories of black school children in the South who didn't have the same chance at success as white school children, but who still became doctors and lawyers and scientists. It was in this context that I learned that to be black was to shoulder an important burden. We know bigotry still exists. My mother knew that, too. But we would betray the efforts of those who fought so hard for equality if we denied the possibility of progress and gave up. And that's the president's words, answering what ta basically said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what do you
0: – I mean, you've covered how many presidents now? Three? Four?
1: three and going into four
0: going into four Um, well let's talk about
1: the. (laughs) what did did Meryl Streep say she said the principled press I said she dropped the mic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so
0: you are well we both are part of the principled press Press. let's talk about the outgoing president what do you think is the one thing about him that people
1: don't get I think people don't want to get uh, uh, mainstream America, those who are against him, I think they don't want to really give him credit for coming in and trying to really make the change that he said he was going to make. They don't give him the credit. They try to dis they're, they're trying to rewrite his history. They don't give him credit for a single thing. Um this man took down Osama bin Laden. You know they just totally kind of left that alone. He was the number one enemy of this nation after 9 eleven. George Bush didn't do it. It was Barack Hussein Obama who did it. He ordered the hit. They don't talk about these things. This president has been a president for the people. He made change he he talked about equality. He is gonna go down in history as a rights president. All people. Not black, not white, not LGBT, not men versus women. All people have rights to stand up and have a seat at the table. And something Shirley Chisholm said, if you don't have a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. And he let people have, he brought in people like Black Lives Matter when they, when when people want to push them to the side and say no. He believed in supporting police as well as listening to the community. It's not myth or conjecture. We are now seeing, and that's a piece I like, too, the fact that the knee-jerk reaction with Skip Gates really was this thread that went through his presidency. We have been talking about this. There has been a problem with African Americans and policing for hundreds of years since we were brought in changed to this nation, and now people say, oh, yeah, they're always saying that, but you have seen the visuals. There is proof. You can't deny the proof, but everybody wants to say, oh, well, this and that and the other. But I believe that people don't want to see what he is actually exposed just by the sake of the fact that he is president of the United States, the first African-American. Because of his ascension, there is a spotlight on the vast negatives in the community we are still a nation with the highest number we are still a community with the highest numbers of negatives in almost every category that is not myth that's not conjecture that's fact and people want to turn a blind eye to it and it's not right
0: well what uh, well some might say that the nation did turn a bl- turn a blind eye to it by um, Electing Donald J. Trump yeah. as the next president of the well, United States, and so seen, yeah. whether we want to or not, isn't the nation about to turn a blind eye on all those things?
1: I don't think the nation is turning blind eye, and and this is this is the piece that I really I'm really believing in in, in talking and f- trying to to grapple with myself. How can we go to this extent of change? I mean, it's it's incremental. But then we pull back. For every couple of steps, there are steps back, and I believe that we, we actually saw, whether it's not about policy or politics, we saw the first black president, and that alone caused people to get angry. They didn't want many people did not want to see a black man be president of this country. And they hated him just for the sake of the color of his skin, called him everything but a child of God. His Twitter I mean, I would hate to see what right, he gets yeah. on Twitter. You know, just the, just the disdain for the sake of his color. He is an intelligent man. And they keep forgetting that he was born into this world in the womb of a white woman. They forget this. But listening to Harry Belafonte, I sat with him last week. Did you see the pictures?
0: Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, of course I did. <laughs> so I sat with <laughs> Harry
1: Belafonte. He said, when he sat with Du Bois when he was a younger man, he said, Du Bois said, you know, you have to go through the problems and, and go to basically the bottom in order for people to be excited for radical activism. And he said he's good, he's glad that this is happening now that Donald Trump is president because it's going to incite radical activism. And when you have activism like that, there's change.
0: Do you believe that's going to happen? I'm one of those oh, people yes. who is not convinced. I am not convinced I'm because convinced. folks— A lot of folks didn't show up on election day. A lot of people proudly saying they didn't vote. You know, there are the marches that are coming up before before the inauguration, after the inauguration. And those are all great because you lots of show, lots of show of passion.
1: But the hard work comes when the cameras aren't there right and and, and, and and I selected Harry Belafonte for this book at Mama's knee because of who he was um, in the struggle and he's still in the struggle mm-hmm. he's actually he laughed when I said so I said, so you're one of the fathers of the the mothers coming out here the women the movie he's actually in support of the the women's March the day mm-hmm. after the inauguration and um, there will be activism and I'm going I'm to give you something. I, Chris Darden, former mm-hmm. O.J. Simpson prosecutor, is also in the book, and he's a dear friend. And he said he went berserk. He's a black Republican. Mm-hmm. He went berserk the day that, that morning, the wee hours of the morning. It was like 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning. We were up on November 9th. And he said, you know, oh, we've let the village idiot have the keys to the White House. Oh, boy, you're going to get in trouble for that one. But he went on to say this is a time for new activism. That's what Darden said. And then you hear what Bob Johnson and says, we need to find common ground. So I go to my friend, mentor, uh, my first program director in radio, Kwaisi Mfume, who used to be Maryland congressman and head of the NAACP. Mm-hmm. And I told him what both of them said, because I'm I'm still trying to figure out what's going on as a reporter, you know, digging and digging. And Kwaisi said, both men are right, he said, but we are at a crossroads. So with that said, and going back to what Harry Belafonte told me Thursday, he said, look, He said, in the past, you know, we did what we could with what we had. A lot of them, and it's in the book, about how the civil rights leaders, to include Congressman John Lewis and Harry Belafonte, they slept on the pallets in some of the homes of these these farmers in the South and ate some of the food from the fields, the potatoes, the beans, and the carrots, and all that kind of stuff. And they marched on. But the problem for us today... For the people who are upset and want to make change, it's the resources. And that's what Mm -hmm. Belafonte said. He said the opposition have uh, places like the Heritage Foundation and the Koch brothers funding them. But the resources are limited on our side. So I I just don't – I don't know – I don't know how it's going to happen. But the persistence, that's the Mm -hmm. problem, continually doing it Mm -hmm. to make the change.
0: Okay. I'm going to play skeptic one more time on this. (laughs) And the other part I was going to get to is – Another successful um, movement, up to a point, was Occupy Wall Street. Yeah, Occupy Wall Street resources was there in. A- but I, would, and leverage. but I would say they squandered their leverage by right. by having this whole, well, we don't have any leaders and, and we don't that's need the any problem. leaders.
1: That's the problem. And, when you get the attention, you got to know how to leverage. And that's what, you know, Black Lives Matter had that problem from it. They're starting to leverage, they're starting to learn. But they, we need the history. People need to go back to that blueprint, the most successful blueprint in this nation, the civil rights blueprint. And the black community seems to have dropped it. But other communities, the LGBT community, the immigration community, as well as um, the women's rights community, they've picked it up. They've picked it up. But I believe it's, it's about the activism coming in mass, persistently and consistency, and then learning that you must have that leverage piece. You have got to know how to leverage and you got to go to the old heads. I know some people say the old mm. heads, you know, have done some things. Yeah, but you know what? They may have had to do some things to get some things done.
0: Right. Do I One of my frustrations is that a lot of the folks new to activism, new to politics mm. are completely unaware of. Of the history of activism and certainly right. of politics, spending all of their time focused on and I'm social used, media and I'm, pictures. Well, well right. No, oh well, I'm an activist because I hit like on <laughs> you know some video. <laughs> I mean, I, I get incredibly frustrated, and I am still skeptical that after January twentieth, and in the months and weeks, days, and months ahead, that folks are not go are going to squander the. Opportunity, but also the moment in infighting and I'm going to tell
1: you something. Healthcare, healthcare. Let me tell you something. Healthcare, right there, people are upset. 20 million people, well, 30 million people. People are upset about what could happen. It was Romney care, then Obamacare, and now it's going to be Trump care. What will Trump care look like? How will it, they want to replace it. How will it be replaced? The negatives of the Obama. Obamacare are supporting the positives of the Obamacare. Yeah, there are high deductibles mm-hmm. and those need to be fixed. But I mean the great they are great pieces. You can if my child were twenty six years old and didn't have a job, I could put her on my insurance up to that age. You know, I'm someone who has a pre existing condition. If I change insurance, I can get insurance. I cannot be mm-hmm. discriminated against. Mamgrace there are so many things. And I talked to someone in the LGBT community um, right after the election. People in the LGBT community are very upset. They're saying that hormones are not available for for, for, transgender transgender people. And also they're saying that if they get the top done before January 20th, what happens to the other part? You know, can they get the surgery for the bottom if they haven't gotten that done after January 20th? There's a lot of concerns. I've talked to doctors about kids. What's going to be the impact on children? So many people from so many communities are very concerned. You can't tell me people are going to sit down with these concerns. I think they're going to activate. And when when Meryl Streep got up there last night, she pressed a button. She pressed the go button.
0: Well, let's say um, after January 20th, Donald J. Trump of New York will become president of the United States. And as he you, is going to be. And president. as you and I both know, the, pres- the president will Um, From time to time, bring reporters in to the Roosevelt Room and sit at the table to have an off-the-record conversation so that you get sort of an insight into the president's thinking on myriad issues.
1: And that's important.
0: You are in that room, and okay. what in one of these meetings, you're at the table with the president of the United States. I'm gonna Pres- bring my
1: book with me, Pres- at Mama's needs. President need. I want Trump, you to read it. and
0: what <laughs> what you've got one opportunity in that meeting with all these other people there. What's the one question you want to ask him,
1: Mr. President? What did you mean when you said "Make America Great Again"? Is it about a time period or pieces of time put together? Because for many people, that's code for racism, that's code for it's code for a lot of things negative in the black community. And that's one of the main main questions, because I we have still not received a definitive answer on that. And that that is the mantra that really is offensive to a lot of people. Yeah, you got about 12 percent of the black vote voting for you. But for a large portion of the country, African-Americans or black people, that is a concern. That is a huge concern.
0: April Ryan, Washington Bureau Chief and White House Correspondent for American Urban Radio Network, author of At Mama's Knee, Mothers and Race in Black and White, and author of The Presidency in yes. Black and White, My Up-Close View of Three Presidents and Race. Thanks A little so much. girl from
1: Baltimore did that. I can't believe it.
0: Thanks for listening to Cape Up. Tune in every Tuesday. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. And how about doing me a huge favor? Subscribe, rate, and review us. I'm Jonathan Part of The Washington Post. You can find me on Twitter at CapehartJ. Hi, I'm Mike Rosenwald, a reporter here at The Washington Post. I'm hosting a new daily podcast called Retropod. It's a show about the past rediscovered. Every weekday morning, we'll explore some of history's most dramatic moments. I'll introduce you to colorful characters from our past. Forgotten heroes, overlooked villains, dreamers, explorers, world changers. Check it out on your Amazon Echo, Google Home, or your favorite podcast player. For instructions on how to listen, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod. The Washington 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 Post. Post. Hi, I'm Jimmy Kimmel, and I'm here with Jeff Edgers to do his podcast, Edge of Fame. It's a collaboration between WBUR and The Washington Post. I've always wanted to be involved in a collaboration between WBUR and The Washington Post ever since I was a baby. Edge of Fame, before, behind, and beyond the spotlight. Subscribe to Edge of Fame wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by ZipRecruiter, offering technology to help you find candidates that match your job qualifications.